This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Morning. It's going to be good. And you say, well, how do you know that? Well, I've already been through one service. It's going to be good. Trust me. Your visitor, we welcome you here. God bless all of you. If you need a Bible, why don't you get your hand up real, real high so our ushers can get you one. We like to get the Word of God in your hand. Once you get your Bible, you can go with me to the book of Proverbs, chapter number 10. And all of you who like to know where I'm going after that, then we'll go to Mark 11. But we will begin in Proverbs, chapter 10, talking about words. This is our last week on it, maybe, most likely. So the word or the, the Proverbs give us great insight. And this was Solomon. Some say he's the wisest man in the world. Some of his thoughts. Now, I encourage you sometime that when you read the book of Proverbs, just take a pen or a little highlighter and begin to highlight all the passages in chapter 1 through 31, the, the things he mentions pertaining to your mouth, your tongue, or your lips. It will shock you. Your Bible will go from not having any marks in it to incredible marks. That's your homework assignment for the next month. You know how you study Proverbs? You read one of them every day. Whatever the day of the month is, that's what it is. How often do we do that? Every month. Just keep reading it and you'll begin to sense the things of God in your life. So we begin today, Proverbs chapter 10, verse 8. The wise in heart will receive commands. But a pratting fool will fall. Now, the word pratting literally means babbling. A babbling fool will fall. The literal translation says, The foolish of lips will be thrust down or ruined. So he just begins immediately and he tells me, Man, i got to watch what I say. I don't want to be a babbler. Same chapter, verse 11. The mouth of the righteous is a well of life, but violence covers the mouth of the wicked. Verse 13. Wisdom is found on the lips of him who has understanding. Verse 14. Wise people store up knowledge, but the mouth of the foolish is near destruction. Or the mouth of the fool literally leads me to destruction. Verse 19. In the multitudes of words, sin is not lacking. But he who restrains his lips is wise. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The heart of the wicked is worth little. The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of wisdom. Verse 31. The mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom. But the perverse tongue will be cut out. The lips of the righteous know what is acceptable. But the mouth of the wicked, that is perverse. So you begin to see right here just over and over in in, in chapter 10. How many times my tongue, my lips, my words are are mentioned? We've been talking about this. One of our main texts is Proverbs 18.21. Later on this morning, we're going to give you an opportunity to get a domino in here. And the reason of that is the domino effect. Now, your words and my words are literally one of two ways. The words out of my mouth are the signposts on the road to success, or my words are the signposts on the road to failure. 
And so one of these di- uh, dominoes, just say Proverbs 18, 21, that death and life are in the power of the tongue. We want it to be a reminder to you, wherever you can put that. Some of you need to put it on the dash of your car. Get some Gorilla Glue and just glue that dude on there. Get permission before you do that, okay? Don't do that and say, Pastor said so, all right? You get me in trouble. But we just want to give you something to, to put this in remembrance of our thoughts all the time. Now, go with me to the book of Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. Now, we're going to stay on our words a little bit, but sometimes we need to understand why our words aren't working, and you'll hear some of that this morning. Mark 11, we were here a number of weeks ago, so we're going back and we're going to talk about the whole story. You know, the, the person who said, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never harm me. That dude was extremely deceived. He was delusional. I like to say it this way. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will break my heart. Words will impact my heart. Words will impress my heart. Now, before we get going, I'm going to have them shoot some words up here on the screen and just show you kind of where maybe words have been spoken over you. You're ugly. You're always going to be ugly. You're so stupid. You're worthless. I hate you. You're nothing but a disappointment. I'm always broke. I'm accident prone. See, we can say those or we can get over and look on the the positive side. Instead of ugly, we go back and we say, Ooh, in God's eyes, I'm beautiful. I'm not stupid. I'm smart. I'm not worthless. I'm worthy. I'm worthy to be called a child of God. I don't hate. I love. I'm not a disappointment. I'm proud of who God made me. I'm no longer broke, but I'm blessed. And I'm not an accident, but I'm wanted. And so all this does is begin to make me aware of the things that come out of my mouth. Now we begin today in Mark 11, verse 12. Now, the next day when they had come out from Bethany, Jesus was hungry. And seen from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see perhaps if he would find something on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. Now, the fig tree looked promising, but it offered no fruit. Verse 14. In response, Jesus said to it. Jesus spoke to it. Jesus spoke to this object called a fig tree, and he said, let no one eat from you ever again, and his disciples heard it. Now, remember the guy named Peter. Peter always talked a bunch. Peter always had his thoughts on the way certain things could be. And I really believe that day when Jesus spoke to the fig tree, Peter looked at the other disciples and said, did he really do what I just think he did? Did Jesus really speak to that fig tree? Now watch what happens here in verse 20. The passage resumes. Now in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, teacher, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. 
Now, Jesus just didn't do that to cause this tree to die. I believe he was using it as literally an object lesson to teach us the power, the impact, the impressions that words have. Now, in this situation, he spoke to an object. It said he cursed the fig tree. Understand this. He didn't say, you blankety-blank tree. That's not what he did. He was just using the power of the words. I like the Amplified the best here. The Amplified says he doomed the fig tree. Now, every one of us in this life, every one of us, we've had the opportunity to be doomed by other people's words. And we've had the opportunity to doom other people with our words. Now, in the King James, the old King James, there's a word in there called damnation. Damnation literally means separation from God, eternal punishment, something that no man should experience, and something that none of us in this room would want to happen. Out of that root word, damnation, there's two words that spring off of it. The word damn and the word damned, okay? I don't want you to go home and say, dang, pastor was cussing all day. I'm going to make a point here with those words. The meaning of the word damnation also means to condemn, to ruin, or to show no value. Now, how many of us in this room have ever damned our spouse? That damn wife of mine. Remember, to condemn, to ruin, or to show value. Those damn kids. That damn boss of mine. Again, don't take this out of the way it's going, okay? We're hanging fast to the, the definition of all this. So out of my mouth, I've literally doomed or damned ones. And I know that's not my will. That's not my desire. But because of a lack of self-control from my words, or when I get angry, I spout off. How many have ever done that? Oh, pastor, that's me. I've been there. But understand, life and death are in the power of the tongue. We've damned our car. We've damned our cell phone. Just over and over and over again. So literally, I believe in this passage, Jesus himself was given us an illustration of how powerful faith-filled words can be. I heard this song not long ago, and the guy who sang it said this. He said, the words that were spoken over me made me feel like I crashed into a brick wall. What was so minor to you was so major to me. My heart's still bleeding. And I believe this happens oftentimes in our life. We go through life and we feel like we've hit a brick wall because I can never get away from the words that were spoken and literally my heart becomes bleeding. And so understand this, your words may have been minor to you, but they were major to the one you spoke it over. Now listen real close to this true story here. One day Thomas and Edison came home and he gave a paper to his mother and he told her, Mother... My teacher gave me this paper and he told me only to give it to my mother. His mother's eyes were tearful as she read the letter out loud to her child. Your son is a genius. 
This school is too small for him and doesn't have enough good teachers for training him. Please teach him yourself. Many years after Edison's mother died and he was now one of the greatest inventors of the century, one day he was looking through old family things. Suddenly he saw a folded paper in the corner of a drawer in a desk. He took it and he opened it up. On the paper it was written, Your son is mentally ill. We won't let him come to school anymore. Edison cried for hours. Then he wrote in his diary, Thomas Alvin Edison was mentally ill child that by a hero mother became the genius of the century. The power of words. The power of a mother who said, I'm not going to speak that over him. I don't care what's on the letter. I don't care what people say. I'm going to speak life over him. You know, one of the men who speaks at the Men of Iron every year, Rick Burke, who pastors in Tulsa, Oklahoma, when his son was a kindergartner, they diagnosed him as stupid. They told him he'll never learn. And Rick and his wife, Tina, said, we don't believe that. We believe he can learn. His son now hazards on the verge of of graduating with a college degree. The power of words. So right here, Jesus lets them understand. And words have power. Now we're going to shift gears here a little bit. Verse 22. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God or have the God kind of faith. How does the God kind of faith work? Well, in Genesis 1... On ten different occasions, God said. And God said, let there be light when there was no light. So literally, God walked out, Romans 4, 17, which says, you call those things that be not as though they are. So God began to speak what he desired, even though what he desired wasn't there. That is literally walking out Hebrews 11, 1. Hebrews 11, 1 says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Just because I can't see it with this physical eye doesn't mean it can't happen. And so we get a hold of the things of God by faith. So Jesus said, have the God kind of faith. Now Jesus doesn't leave us just hanging. He's going to literally teach me and you how the God kind of faith works. Verse 23. For surely I say to you, whoever says or speaks to the mountain. He didn't deny the mountain. He didn't pretend the mountain wasn't there. He didn't say, just sweep it under the rug and it'll disappear. No, Jesus said that anytime we have mountains in our life, start speaking to it. What do I speak to it? I find out the word of God and I begin to speak the word of God. So he said, whoever will say to the mountain, be thou removed, be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but he believes those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Now, what we got to get a hold of right there is Romans 10, 9, and 10. How do you get born again? The mouth and the heart equation. I confess with my mouth, and I believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord, and that's how I become saved. When he said, speak to the mountain here, he said, if you'll believe those things you say, the power of faith-filled words, he said, The mountain will remove. It will move and be cast into the sea. So again, in this passage here, Jesus is showing me and you the mouth and the heart equation again. 
How does things change in my heart? Only by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing. So when I get a hold of the word of God, it begins to change my heart. Keep reading. Verse 24. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask, how do you ask? With your mouth. And whatever things you ask when you pray, how do you pray? Out of your mouth. Believe that those things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Now, once again, for me to ask and for me to believe that I receive what I'm praying about, it shows me the the mouth and the heart equation again in my prayers. Oftentimes, as human beings, our prayers are nothing more than a complaining session. How many of us in this room, we pray doubt and unbelief, fear and lack, even though that's not what we desire? I don't desire to be sick. I don't desire to be broke. So why do I pray it? When I look at this verse in verse 24, and in light of Jesus' life, Jesus himself, he always prayed the answer. He didn't pray the problem. Illustration. Remember when the boat was getting ready to sink and it looked bad and they awoke Jesus? The first thing Jesus said, boys, it's bad, get a life jacket. It's not what he said. Remember, he said, peace, be still. That was it. Nothing more, nothing left. Remember when the dead man Lazarus was in the tomb for three days? Jesus shows up and he looks and says, Lazarus, you stinketh. He didn't say that either. You know what he said? Rise and come forth. So even in my life, in your life, I need to start praying the answer. I find out what the word of God and I get in in line with it. Now, understand this. There's a huge deception within believers is when I try to operate one of God's principles, but I ignore another one. In other words, it's very difficult for me to speak to the mountain when I know in my life I'm living in blatant sin. You'll be disappointed. It will literally shut the things of God down. And and when you look at that, for a person to pray while having unforgiveness in his heart is like a tree having no fruit. Mark eleven thirteen. Now, if we were to read this whole passage, and in your Bible, it's probably like mine. It looks like what he says in verse 20 through 24 ends. But literally, when Jesus said this, he says it in verse 20 through 26. Watch, let's begin in verse 24, and then we'll jump right into 25 and 26. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them when you pray, and you will have them. And... Whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. So when you look at verse 25, a a condition of prevailing prayer is a forgiving spirit. There's times in my life when I pray about things And it seems like my prayers just hit the ceiling. Don't ever get off the ground. 
When that happens in our lives, there's two areas we really need to look at. Am I living in blatant sin? Where I know in my heart it's sin. But number two, and this is what we're talking about right now, am I walking in unforgiveness toward somebody? Is there someone that I haven't forgiven? And oftentimes, you need to ask God, Lord, reveal that to me. Show me. Do you know before when I've asked God that, God will take me back to things that happened to me sometimes years ago. And I'll begin to repent and say, Lord, I, I don't want to do that. I want to forgive them. Now look what he goes on to say in verse 26. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you your trespasses. So again, right here, when I go to God with unforgiveness in my heart, I'm literally like a tree that has leaves, but I'm not going to have fruit. You know what the tree that had leaves with no fruit represented? Potential. It's the same in me and you's life. I have potential to bear fruit in my life, but I got to walk out the kingdom of God. I got to do what he says. So we back up and I think, I can't speak to the mountains and think the mountains are going to obey me if I'm in blatant sin. Remember last week in John 15 verse 7, it says, if you abide in me, and my word abide in you, you will ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. I've got to live in Jesus. I've got to live in the word. I've got to keep doing the word day by day by day. Also, remember in the parable of Mark 4, verse 20, he said, those who hear the word and accept it. That word accept it means I'm going to live by it. I put the word above all else. And so you see oftentimes that for me to speak to the mountains and me to pray, and i got to make sure my heart's right. Is your heart right today? Turn to the book of John chapter 20. John chapter 20. See, is there something in my life that in, in, impedes my prayers? Does it block my prayers? This is one of the things I quote over myself daily, that I'm quick to repent and I'm not easily offended. Something happens when I begin to do that. And I say, I'm not going to hold offense. I'm not going to get that way. I'm going to release that stuff. John chapter 20, verse 21. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. This is what Jesus is telling us as believers. I'm sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Interesting words there. When God created Adam, the way life came into Adam, God breathed on him. And now here Jesus is saying, I'm sending you out into the world And as if he's to say, the only way you're going to accomplish the mission that I'm going to give you, you got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I believe that. But he doesn't stop there. Right after he says, I breathe on you and be filled with the Spirit, watch what he gets into next. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. So literally tucked in between Going out and and being a servant of the Lord and walking in forgiveness is this statement that says, you got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
You know why I believe that is? Most of the time in our natural ability, I don't want to forgive. My natural tendency is I want to get even. You hit me, I'll hit you. You steal from, I'll steal from you. But something happens when the Holy Spirit comes on the inside of us. He says to us, listen, I'm going to help you live the way God would like you. You know, I had a man who had some terrible things happen to his family. You know what he said to me? He said, Pastor, I'm just going to be real truthful with you. He said, I want to kill that man. And I looked at him, and you know what I said to him? I agree with you. I'd kind of like to kill him too. But yet that's not the way Jesus said to do things. Jesus said to forgive them. It's not easy when you know people have wronged you, but he still said forgive. So in this word, he said, you're either going to retain or you're going to remit it. I'm going to be a retainer or a remitter. The word retain means that you hold on to it. You say, I don't want to get rid of it. Now listen what the message says right there. It says, if you don't forgive, what are you going to do with them? So here's what happens to us. When we've been wronged by someone and they've hurt us and we say, I'm not going to forgive them, that very offense stays on the inside of you. And when someone has doomed you or damned you with their words and you don't forgive them and say, I'm not going to hold that against them, those very things stay on the inside of me. And what happens when it stays on the inside of me, it literally begins to take root. Ultimately, it ferments. And oh my gosh, it releases a poison on the inside of us where we begin to say this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get vengeance. Bitterness, wrath, jealousy, all this begins to take place. So right here, Jesus begins to warn us. And he says, you don't want to do that. Listen to this verse in Proverbs. This is the New Living, Proverbs 17, verse 9. I came across it just two days ago. Love prospers when a fault is forgiven. Love prospers when a fault is forgiven. But dwelling on it, the fault, separates close friends. I can forgive and love prospers. Or I can dwell on that offense and it said it'll separate you. So it looks this way. You've got this great friend in life. And one minute they're your friend and then before long you start dwelling on the things they've done to you, how you hurt. And then they become an enemy. And then you get back over on the friend and then you dwell on it and they become an enemy. So ultimately they become the friend to me. And when they become a friend to me, when I dwell on the, the thought or the offense, I want to Kung Pao them. I want to take it to them. But yet the word says that love prospers when I forgive that offense. Something happens. I got one more passage I want you to see this morning. Go to the book of Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. I told you it's going to look a little different this morning. But again, the Bible becomes very clear. And I can speak to the mountains all day. I can pray till God until, man, my, my tongue has fallen off. I've prayed so much. If I'm walking in unforgiveness, you might as well get ready. It'll shut it down. 
This is the passage of what we call the prodigal son. He goes to his father one day and he says, give me my inheritance basically right now. I want it now. A sign of selfishness. I want it now. How many have ever repented for being selfish? And God is wearing me out with that right now. I mean, it's like, you're not going to be selfish. You're not going to do that. And, and you know what I want to do? I want to make excuses. Well, God doesn't, God doesn't want my excuses. And so the prodigal son, he takes his inheritance, and he goes and starts spending it on prodigal, wasteful, wicked, evil living. He lives like the world. And before long, his life starts spiraling out of control. Now, here's how God works with human beings. In John 16, it says that the Spirit of God was sent to convict the world of sin. The Holy Spirit will come on the inside of me, and he'll begin to convict me of thanks. And that's the best way to respond to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. When you know in your heart you're wrong, and you say, man, Lord, I've blown it. I'm wrong. But most of the time as human beings, we don't learn that way. So we go to strike number two. Then God sends someone into your life to begin to speak to you. And out of a motive of love, they look and say, listen, you're not walking in the things of God. you got to turn. And you know what most human beings say? I don't want to learn that way either. So we go to strike number three. Just as the prodigal son did, it said he went to the pig pens. Now, I don't think we really fully understand what that means for a Jew to be in the pig pens. It's the worst. Jews weren't allowed to eat a pig. They weren't allowed to touch a pig. He was working for a pig farmer, and he got so low in his life that he said, I'll eat even the slop the pigs aren't eating. So it shows how bad he was. But one day when life got so bad, I believe I'm speaking to some of you in here right now. You've fallen bad. God hadn't quit on you though. He comes to himself. And he said, i got to go back home. i got to go back to my father's place. Now, if you were to study that whole passage, when he asked father for his inheritance, he says, give me my inheritance. When he comes back to God, he says, make me into a servant. There's a lot of difference between give and make. Make me, Lord. Make me into a man of God. Make me into a man after your own heart. So he comes back home. Now watch what happens. This is only one verse I want to read. Verse 20. Luke 15, 20. And he, the prodigal son, rose, and he came to his father. But when he was still a great way from him, his father saw him. And he had compassion on him and ran and fell on his neck and he kissed him. Now when I read this, God loves to forgive his children. He wants to forgive me and you. That's his heart. His heart is so much of forgiveness, he runs toward us. In Genesis 1 it says we're created in the likeness of God. Forgiveness begets forgiveness. What am I saying? I freely receive forgiveness. As a child of God, 
I got to freely give forgiveness. Not always easy. But yet this is what God tells us. How do I receive forgiveness from God? 1 John 1, 9 says, If I will confess my sin, confess, I confess my sin to God, He's not only faithful and just to, to, to forgive me, but also to cleanse me. So one of the ways I get forgiveness from God is I confess my sin. I speak it out of my mouth. So if I give forgiveness by confessing it out of my mouth, how do I give forgiveness? The same way. Illustration, Luke 23, Jesus is on the cross on the verge of dying. And his exact words was, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The, the man of God, Stephen, in Acts 7, he's being stoned to death, and he says, Father, forgive them. Again, it starts with confession out of your mouth. If we live by Matthew 5, 43, 44, it says, it has been said, hate your enemies, but love your brothers. But that's not how God says it. He says, love those who persecute you. Pray for those who despitefully use you. And every time I read those verses, and one side of me gets ticked off, I say, I don't want to do that. I don't want to pray for those people who've wronged me. But something happens when I begin to say out of my mouth, Father God, I forgive them. And the more I begin to say it, the more that something starts being released in me. And before long, I say this out of my mouth. I ask you to do for them today exactly as I want you to do for me today. Listen real close to this statement right here. My forgiveness is qualified by my readiness to forgive. Let me say it again. My forgiveness is qualified by my readiness to forgive. In other words, the way I forgive other people is the way God will forgive me. Mark 11, 25 and 26. Do you know a lot of you have been praying that for years? No, I haven't. Yes, you have. No, I haven't. Yes, you have. The Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6, verse 9. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, right here on earth as it is in heaven. Give me this day my daily bread, and forgive me my trespasses, as I forgive those who trespass against me. Better said, and forgive me of my trespasses, just as I've forgiven those who've trespassed against me. And again, it all falls back to me. If I don't forgive others, God can't forgive me. And so literally the things of God get shut down. They stop. They get frozen in their tracks. And we get frustrated when the truth is, am I holding unforgiveness toward other people? Am I mad at them because the words they've spoken? See, I'm not going to allow people's words to entrap me. I'm not going to allow people's words that are spoken over me to literally doom me. I don't have to live by those things. So for me to get set free from that, a lot of times we've got to say, Father God, I forgive them. I forgive my dad. 
when he called me a loser. I forgive that school teacher who said, you're stupid. I forget. See again, am I going to harbor that or am I going to release that? Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.